We begin today's shiur 15 lines from the top of Daf Nun Gimel. The Gemara quotes a line from the Mishnah on Daf Nun Amen Aleph, Cholatz v'osa maimer v'nosan get uboal. The Mishnah goes on to say, Ein achar chalitza klum, that once chalitza is done, so then nothing else takes hold. In other words, if after chalitza is done, uh, there is an attempt to give the chalitza uh, money, maimer, kiddushi maimer, it does not have to be dealt with. Or if after chalitza is done, a get is given to the chalitza. That get has no halachic effect. The Gemara asks, V'nisni nami ein achar bia klum. Why doesn't the Mishnah also state that after the act of intimacy is done? Let us say, just for an example, uh, there are two uh, Yivmin and there is one Yivoma, that is, Ruvain died, leaving Shimon and Levi, and Shimon does Yibum, is B'aw, with the widow of Ruvain, she becomes his wife. So then if Shimon offers her money, let us say, Mimer, that has no effect. It's like giving money to a strange person as a gift. It doesn't have any halachic effect. So why doesn't the Mishnah teach that as well? Abaye v'rova tanu. In fact, Abaye and Rava teach in their version of the Mishnayis, Ein achar bia klum. Now, there's a note in Rashi, a few lines down from here, Tonu, Toni, Ein laachar bia klum, Falot sorach lemisninami, Ein laachar chalitza klum. In their version, they have, in fact, there is nothing that follows bia. They don't teach in their version of the Mishnah, Ein laachar chalitza klum. They came with the Tonu, Ein laachar bia klum. Once you teach that after bia, there is nothing else that takes effect, hu hadinami di'ein achar chalitza klum. It is, this, it is uh, true as well, for uh, there is nothing after chalitza. Volishna klilahu lemisni chada, o bia o chalitza. And it's simply a, a form of, let's say, klila is literally light speech or uh, short version of, of teaching both points. All you need to do is teach one and I figure out the other. Now, our Tana didn't do that, though. Our Tana didn't teach Ein Achar Biyoklum. So, the Gemara goes on, V'tana Didan, the our Tana who said Ein Achar Chalitza Klum, even though uh, uh, Bio was featured in the Seifa of the Mishnah, as, as uh, Rashi says, nevertheless, our Mishnah felt it important to teach that once Chalitza is done, nothing takes hold, because Hatoras Yevoma Lashuk Adifa Leg. Adifa means it was more important for him or better for him to emphasize that element or that instrument that frees the Yevoma to marry uh, anyone she wants, as the word Lashuk indicates. Lashuk literally is the marketplace. We continue now with a quote from the Mishnah that continues on to the Nun Omid Beis. In other words, the Mishnah started the beginning of the parak at Nun Omid Aleph. And this is now a quote from Nun Omid Beis. Echod Yevoma Achas, Echod Shte Yevomos. Whether it be 
one Yavama to one Yavam, or two Yavamas, where Ruven died, leaving two widows and one brother, Yavam Echad. Namely, the rules of the Mishnah uh, apply in all cases equally. Before we go further in the Gemara, there's a marking scheme that continues till Omid Bays, and you'll note on the side under the Mivneh, the trapezoid, when it appears, it highlights the expression or the idea that Masnisin Delo, that our Mishnah is not like so and so. So here, the Gemara says the Mishnah is not like Ben Azai. On Omid Bays, you'll see uh, at, a, at another point, after the Gemara quotes the Mishnah, that our Mishnah is not like Dolo Kihai Tano, and it goes on to say which Tana that is. So here we have Masnisin Dolo Kiben Azai. According to the Chachomim in our Mishnah, there is a possibility of Maimer Achar Maimer when you have two women and one Yavam, two widows and one Yavam. Which, which means that if Ruvain dies leaving two widows, widow one and widow two, and he also is survived by his brother Shimon, Shimon gives money to widow number one. According to the Chachamim in the Mishnah, if Shimon were to give money to widow number two, that would take effect and he would have to give a divorce document to widow number two as well to undo the money bond that he had presented to her. Now, these are, if you're a first-time listener, we should tell you that these are concepts that we've been dealing with at length since the beginning of this parak. So, we're not going to be re-explaining all of these ideas in detail so as not to uh, bore those that are already familiar. But we continue in the Gemara. Our uh, Gemara says that Masis and Deloke Ben Azai, our Mishnah is not in accordance with Ben Azai. Desanya Ben Azai Omer, Yesh Maimur Achamayamur, Bishnei Yivmin, Viyavoma Achas. There is a possibility of a second Maimur taking hold when upon Ruvain's death he left two brothers, Shimon and Levi, and one widow. However, Now here you see we dashed underline this because this is the case that needs to be emphasized that according to Ben Azai if, Shima, if Ruvain died leaving two widows and is survived by only one brother once again according to Ben Azai uh, uh, Shimon used up all his mimer power with the first widow. Nothing would take hold if he gives money to the second widow. Our Mishnah disagrees. We continue again with another quote from the uh, Mishnah. Ketzad, Maimer Lezu, V'chulei, and the V'chulei means etc. What we want to focus on is what is that etc. that's being quoted here. And it's a case of, there was Maimer Bezu, V'cholatz Lezu. He gave money to one widow and did Chalitza with the Second widow, Harishonot Srichaget. Our uh, this is found, by the way, in our Mishnah, five lines from the top of the Nun Omid Beis. 
you'll notice a new marking, and we feature this on the side under the Mivneh, the Lemo Messiah expression. Let us say that our Mishnah supports, and you'll see uh, in the course of the Gemara how there are attempts made to support different Amoraic opinions based on information in the Mishnah. So, according to our Mishnah, if Maimer was done uh, with one of the widows, Chalitza done with the second widow, so the first widow will need a get to undo the uh, effects of the money that was given to her. Lema Misayale Lishmuel, skip the brackets for a moment, Utyufta de Rav Yosef. Can we say that our Mishnah supports Shmuel? and refutes Rav Yosef. Now we have to know what each one said in order to make sense of this. So in the brackets, the Gemara quotes Shmuel's opinion, and then we'll try to see how our Mishnah would support his point of view. And as far as what Rav Yosef holds, we'll, we will resort to Rashi for elucidation on what Rav Yosef's position was that our Mishnah would seemingly present a problem. So what did Shmuel say? So we read in the brackets The Omar Shmuel Cholatz Lebalas Maimer Lo Niftura Tsarasat That if a uh, man uh, Ruvain and Shimon are brothers and Ruvain died leaving two widows uh, if money were given to the one to one of the widows and then Chalitza was done with her, with the one that received the money. That's a Chalitza psula, it's a weakened Chalitza, because the Chalitza doesn't sever all bonds that, have, that had uh, been formed, because money had been given to her. Therefore, the Chalitza done with the Balas HaMaimer doesn't release the Tzora, the co-wife, the second widow. Well, in our Mishnah we see that point that even though Chalitza was done with the second widow a get still was necessary to undo the mimer of the first so our Mishnahs would seem to support Shmuel let's take a look at this point in Rashi as well the, uh, toward the end of the narrow lines Lemo Shmuel our Mishnah is referring to that point where Mimer was done with one widow and the Chalitza, the shoe removal ceremony was done with the other. From the fact that the Mishnah seemed to have deliberately not given as an example Chalitza done with the Balas Mimer, this would seem to support Shmuel. The Omar, Shmuel who says, Chalitza was done with the Balas Mimer. It wouldn't have released the second widow, the Kevin de Boy Get Lamamoro, since a get is needed to undo the Mimer, Lohavio Chalitzo Maaliusa Lafuke Zika de Chaberta. Since a get is still required to undo the Mimer, Chalitza done with her wouldn't have been a high quality Chalitza, Chalitza Maaliusa, enough to have broken the Yibum connection, the Zika with the second widow. So as we said, Shmuel's point would seem to derive support from our Mishnah. What did Rav Yosef say? Well, Rashi quotes it. It's a Gemara that we've seen earlier in the Masechta. 
the Utiufta the Rav Yosef Rashi says, the Amar Bahachoyvets, that's the name of the parak, Lo Yishpoich Odom Me Boyroi Vacherim Tzrichim Lohem. This is a phrase. A person shouldn't spill out good, fresh water from his well when others need that very water. The Hohocha, the Cholatz Lechaverta, the Komaisabaya Get. In this case, he did chalitza with the other woman, with the non-Balas HaMaymer, while the Balas HaMaymer needs a get. Now, that Balas HaMaymer is going to be un, is going to be rendered unfit to the kahuna anyway, because she, a get is going to have to be given to her. Once a woman receives a get, that makes her unfit to the kahuna. The second widow, according to Rav Yosef, should not be the one dealt with. By giving, by doing chalitza with the second widow, you're making her unfit, prohibited to the kahuna as well. So that that woman, until you do chalitza with her, that second widow was fit for the kahuna. Now you're taking a woman that could have been married by a kain and you're ruining her. That's the analogy that was referred to earlier of don't spill out water when others can benefit from it. Venimsa Rashi goes on Venimsa kahuna. And you end up ruining both women from the kuna by following the uh, pattern or the model of the Mishnah. And Rav Yosef would seem to hold otherwise. And the Mishnah doesn't allow us to say, with the first woman, the woman that received the Maimer, the woman that's going to be puzzled to the kuna anyway, because you're going to have to give her a get, and let the second woman remain kosher to the kuna. Our Mishnah, once again, doesn't seem to confirm that. The Gemara responds and says that our mission is not a refutation of Rav Yosef. Mi katani cholates. Does the Mishnah say that you are, as a first choice, supposed to do chalitza with the second widow? Cholats katani. He happened to do chalitza with the second widow. Diavad. That's, that's post facto. But as a first choice, in fact, you should follow Rav Yosef. That's what he would say. Namely, don't do chalitza with the second widow. You should choose as your first choice to do chalitza with the widow that had received mimer. That's going to need it. Get anyway. We continue. Get lizu. The get lizu. Smichois heimenu chalitza. You'll notice that we, uh, in addition to writing that into the Gemara between the lines of smichois heimenu chalitza, we've also dashed, underlined smichos. Smichos is a plural word. Both need chalitza then. So, if there were two widows that Ruvain left upon his demise and Shimon gave a get to widow one and widow number two, according to the Mishnah, both uh, women will need a chalitza. Let us say that this supports Rabba's teaching. The Yoma Rabba Barahuna. Chalitza psula tzricha lechazer al kol ha'achin. A weakened chalitza. Uh, again, I know that we've, we've said this many times, but a, a chalitza psula is a weakened chalitza. That's a situation where chalitza is done with a yavama, one whom you could not have married. And when once a get is given to a Yavoma, you can't marry her anymore. In our case, uh, a get was given to each one of the Yavomas. 
So each one needs a separate chalitza, and that would seem to confirm Rabbah's teaching, where if uh, a widow had been given a get, a woman who, was, of course, was a Yavama, received a get, in order for her to get released and allowed to marry anyone she wants, she would have to go to all of the surviving brothers in order to uh, receive a uh, um, heter, lashuk. Let us take a look at the uh, Rashi on the fourth line under the Gemara text. Tzrichois mashma chalitza l'chol achas. They came on the Chalitza's Shtehen Ruah. Uh, as we explained before, if there were two widows that were left and each one received a get, so each widow is going to need her own Chalitza. Since any one Chalitza is weakened, no one will release her friend, her, uh, her, her co-widow. The Kotoni Seifa and the Mishnah goes on to say, the Nosan Zeh get the Zeh get if if Ruvain was survived by Shimon and Levi, and Ruvain left one widow, and Shimon gave that widow a get, and Levi gave her a get. She would need a chalitza from each one of them, from Shimon and Levi, uh, because any one chalitza is a chalitza psula, it's a weakened chalitza. So our Mishnah by acknowledging that when confronted by a situation of a weakened chalitza, that subsequent chalitza that's done is not sufficient to release all of the widows, nor is it sufficient to have received chalitza from any one of the surviving brothers if it was a chalitza psula. So does, is it not so then that our Mishnah supports Rabbah's approach? The Gemara says no. My Tzrichos, when the Mishnah uses the plural expression Tzrichos, it's a generic type of Tzrichos. Tzrichos te alma. In other words, it's needed in general by the, by the realm of Yevomis. Namely, that um, a, a get that uh, is given to a Chalitza, so that the world of women that received chalitzas, the world of Yevomis that received gitin, need to, in addition, receive chalitza. But it's a reference to the to, to the world of of Yevomis. not necessarily a reflection on a case of a say multiple yavam situation. We continue in the Gemara. Get. Lizu, the Cholatz Lizu. A get was given to one Yevama, and Chalitza done with a second Yevama. Lemo, Messiah Once again, the Gemara is quite terse. In order to appreciate this, we look at the Rashi. We have a double star to help you find it. Hachi Garcinon, get Lizu, the Cholatz Lizu, Lemo, Messiah from the fact that the Mishnah does not feature Chalitza done with the woman that received the get, the Mishnah speaks about Chalitza done with the co-widow. This would support Shmuel. 
that if you choose to do chalitza with the widow that received the get, that wouldn't release a co-wife when a co-wife, a co-widow is on the scene. So our Mishnah, by saying the get was given to one and chalitza was done with the other, the other widow, the one that did not receive the get, this would seem to support Shmuel because uh, if the chalitza was done with the Baal Saget, it wouldn't release the other ones. Here you have a case or a chance to do one chalitza to, re- to release both of them through the chalitza. So our Mishnah seems to support Shmuel on the one hand, and it seems to be against Rav Yosef because of what we said earlier. In this case, you had given a get to one woman, according to Rav Yosef, who doesn't want you to ruin something that doesn't need to be ruined, in this case, we would not want to have the other woman uh, passled from the kuna, and therefore, Chalitza would be done with the Balas Haget. And yet, our Mishnah doesn't say that. The Gemara responds, similar to the way we ex- er, answered earlier, Mi Katani does the Mishnah say that that's what you should do as a first choice to do chalitza with the other widow, the non-balas aget, the widow that was kosher to the kahuna? Chalatz kotani. A chalatz is in the past tense, a post facto, which means di avad. If it was done, so it's effective, but not as a first choice. And the reason for saying that would be because out of sensitivity to Rav Yosef's concern. Cholatz, the Cholatz, or Cholatz the This is from Nun Omid Bey's ten, uh, ten uh, rows from the top of the Omid. Uh, the the Mishnah went on to say, "Ein Achar Chalitza Klum." But before it got to that phrase, the Mishnah gave a series of examples. Uh, which you can find if you look back at Nunamid Bay's the diamond number four. And the Mishnah, as we saw earlier, the Mishnah here too says, It doesn't say, So the Gemara asks, Why not teach at this point that once Bia is done, so nothing takes hold. Abaya Tonu Ein Achar Abaya and Rava have as their version of the mission, in fact, Ein Achar And as we saw before in the Rashi, that would include Ein Achar as well. Uh, it, it would appear to me that saying Ein Achar would make for a smoother reading of the mission because that's the example that was given just before the rule of Ein Achar Biaklum. Namely, example, the uh, final example was uh, Boal, Boal, etc. Vitana Vidan, our Mishnah that chooses the expression of Ein Achar Chalitza Klum, Hatoras Yevoma Lashulk Adifa Lei. It is of more I- 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 importance to emphasize that instrument, namely the Chalitza, which releases the Yavama and enables her to marry whomever she wants. Whether you're talking about a case of 
one surviving brother and two widows and Mishnah went on to say or a case of two men that survive two brothers that survive and one widow notice the new marking the crown marking with the tip with the uh, points facing upwards they represent she'elos beginning with the word bishlama that things work out according to one opinion but according to the second opinion something needs to be clarified and the inverted crown represents chuvos responses this structure will continue on the top of Ahmed Bez as well Bishlama the Rabbi Yochanan the Omar Kula Beisa Belav Koi our Mishnah in its terse fashion covers quite a few different cases different possibilities Rabbi Yochanan had taught his principle quite a bit earlier in this Masichta namely that if you have let us say multiple widows and multiple surviving brothers multiple widows from the one deceased brother he Ruven died leaving a few widows and there are several brothers that survive uh, as far as the halacha is concerned all that's necessary is chalitza to be done between one of the brothers and one of the widows and that frees uh, all the widows uh, to marry Lashuk and the other brothers don't have to do anything according to Rabbi Yochanan the man and woman that participate in the chalitza actually serve as agents of all the rest and just like the chalutz and the chalutza the chalates and the chalutza or the the chalutz, the one from whom the uh, shoe was removed and the, uh, the chalutza, the woman who was released just like uh, if they were, let us say, to cohabit with one another after they did chalitza with one another they would be guilty of a lav, a negative command just like that is true with regard to them specifically it is true with regard to all the other brothers and all the other widows as we said before, that's a function of agency. And we say, When I send you to do something on my behalf, it's as if I did it. So, Rabbi Yochanan says the whole, we'll call it the whole household, as the uh, Gemara says at the Kula Besa, all of them are, a, are, are now forbidden to the tune of a negative command. Negative command, as we've said many times in the past, is a lower level offense than other types of forbidden relations that are prohibited with a kores punishment or a court execution misas based in. Well, our Mishnah teaches that the laws apply, for example, Ein Achar Chalitza Klum, even when you're dealing with multiple widows and multiple brothers. That means, in effect, that if, let us say, Shimon had done Chalitza with widow number one. Levi, another of the surviving brothers, is also to widow number two. Belav. And what does our Mishnah say? That if that Levi would give money to widow number two after Shimon had done Chalitza with widow number one, nothing takes effect. Which in halachic terms, is say is we're saying in kedushin toifsin bechayvelavin the Gemara will spell that out. So that information is important. That's something that we 
happen to know is a machlokes tanoim, and it happens to be according to Rebbe Akiva, who's a, we'll call it a, a, a minority opinion. But we have a Stam Mishnah, an unnamed, uh, naming no authority in the Mishnah, unnamed Mishnah, working, coming out like Rebbe Akiva. Now, all of that is information, is novel information. It's something I wouldn't have known had it not been stated. In contrast to Rabbi Yochanan, there is Reish Lakish, who holds that as far as a lav prohibition, negative command, be- between uh, man and woman in this scenario, that is true only with regard to the cholates and the chalutza, in our example, Shimon and widow number one. However, Levi and widow number two are an Isser Kores. Why? Basically, it's an Isser Eishes Ach. The widow number two was the, br- was the wife of Levi's brother, namely Ruvain the deceased. And for Levi to engage in intimacy with her, with widow number two, that would be a violation of Kores. And Kores is a it's like a, a brother and sister. Imagine a brother trying to give money in marriage of a sister. Nothing takes hold. So to here, nothing takes... Our mission is telling us nothing takes hold between the uh, other Yivmen and the other widows. That's obvious. In fact, the only case of love, as far as Reish Lakish is concerned, is between the Cholates and the Chalutza themselves. But the Cholates and the and one of the uh, co-widows, or one of the other brothers and the Chalutza, those are the Kores. Why does the Mishnah, according to Reish Lakish, have to tell me that if there are two widows and one Yavam, or two uh, surviving brothers in one Yavama that there is that uh, the Maimer done after the Chalitza uh, doesn't take effect that's Poshit so now what we just did is we spelled out all of the information in the Gemara let's read it in the text I understand according to Rabbi Yochan who says the whole household all the widows and all the surviving brothers with one another would be the Easter Lav. Once Chalitza uh, was done with one of the brothers and one of the widows, all the rest follows suit in the sense that they all become the same level prohibition. So it's Derich Lashminen, therefore the Mishnah has to teach me the scenario of, of one of the other brothers, let us say, giving Maimer to her, to the Chalitza, and saying, Ein Achar Chalitza Klum, the Maimer is not Topis, the Maimer doesn't take effect. And the Chiddush is the Ein Kiddushin Toifsin Bechayve Lavin. That Kiddushin, the marital bond, does not take effect when you're dealing with even a low-level prohibition like an Isor Lav, and you have a Stam Mishnah coming out like Rebbe Akiva. All, all of that is information that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. But according to Reish Lakish, that says that outside of the very couple, in our case, Shimon that did Chalitza with, with widow number one, all the rest of the combinations are Bekores. It's the Rechlashmein and the Ein Kedushan Toifsen Bechayve Krisus. Do I need the Mishnah to spell out with its examples that? But by saying you're saying that Maimer done by one of the other brothers with that widow or uh, 
or that 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 cholates doing doing mimer with one of the other widows, that nothing takes effect. That's poshit according to everybody. So do you have to tell me that the kedushin is not toifes bechayve krisus? That's a question on Reish Lakish. By Reish Lakish having um, ruled that only the cholates and chalutza. Uh, are Be'isolav and all the rest are Kore, so he runs into this problem that our Mishnah seems to be telling me something that's too obvious. Omar Loch Reish Lokish. So Reish Lokish says, if you're asking on me from that particular point of Einachar Chalitza Klum, that Maimer done after Chalitza doesn't have any, uh, doesn't take effect, does it, is it not so that the Mishnah also says the following? And by the way, note that we have a long answer marking here. So Rishlokish says, according to you, that the Mishnah is supposedly not to teach us obvious points, Seifa de Katani, the Seifa teaches Bo'aviyosa Maimer, if, let us say, you had Ruvain and Shimon, that, uh, and, and Levi. Ruvain died, leaving a widow, survived by two brothers. Shimon does Bia. Bia is actual Yibum with the widow. And then Levi comes and gives her Kesev Kedoshin. Is Levi's money given to her in marriage going to have any effect? Absolutely not. Shimon did Bial. It says in the words of the Mishnah, quoted right here, Boal, that's Shimon did Bial with the widow, and the Asa, and then the second one comes and does Mimer. Do I need a Mishnah to tell me that, that there's no thesis Kedushin, that, that marriage does not take hold with a married woman? Of course that's superfluous. Why then does the Mishnah teach that? Once the Mishnah teaches us the rules of one Yavam, Shimon, who survives his deceased brother Reuven, and Reuven leaving Yavam one widow, the Mishnah taught us all the laws that apply to that case. Tonanami, it feels... It's necessary, it feels important to teach us also the case of one surviving brother and two widows. And since it teaches that case, it teaches me also the case of two surviving brothers and one widow, when in fact there isn't necessarily any chidush in all of that additional information. But Rather, the Mishnah uh, spells out all the different possibilities. We continue at the top of Omid Beis. This, too, is a quote from the Mishnah of Nun Omid Beis, involving a one Yavam and one Yavama, Cholatz, V'osa Maimer, V'nosan, V'chulei, Bishlama, Cholatz, V'osa Maimer, it's important, it's necessary to teach a case where Chalitza was done and then after Chalitza he, the uh, singular Yavam the sole surviving brother that is Shimon then gives her money our Mishnah went, goes on to tell us that that after the Chalitza was done the money that he gives her doesn't take any effect that needs to be taught Namely, that it's not of any halachic consequence. It's nothing. I, on my own, I would have thought 
Nixar Maimer de Basar Chalitza, let us impose rabbinically the need for a get to undo the Maimer that was done after the Chalitza, Otto Maimer de Kami Chalitza, in anticipation of a case where Maimer was done before the Chalitza. Now, in a case where Maimer is done before the Chalitza, that Maimer, Me'ikir Hadin, on principle, requires a get. Now these two cases have the same words, it's just the order is reversed. The, uh, in other words, the same events take place, but in reverse order. So, in one case, we tell you that if you do Chalitza first and then Mimer, you don't have to do anything. It's important for the Mishnah to tell me you don't have to do anything about that Mimer, because I might have thought that I should require a get there, in anticipation of a case where you really do need a get, where the Mimer was done before the Chalitza. So let's read that in the words again. Require a get in a case of Maimer after the Chalitza in anticipation of the, uh, the case of Maimer before Chalitza which needs a get. Our Mishnah by saying after Chalitza whatever is done nothing takes hold I'm telling you that we don't make that gezera. We don't impose that um, additional requirement. Ella, chalatzvenosan get, but the example of the Mishnah, where it said uh, he he did chalitza, the yavam did chalitza with the yavama, and then he gives her a divorce document. Lomali, what do I have to teach me regarding that? That ain't achar chalitza klum. That's obvious. Once you release the Avoma, giving her a get doesn't have any meaning. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change any status. The Gemara responses, According to you that are asking a question based on something that's, that's seemingly obvious or superfluous, state the case in the Seifa. One Yavam and one Yavama. Shimon does Bia with her. In other words, he marries, he does Yibum with the widow, and then he gives her money. Boal v'nosan get, or he did Bia and then gave her a divorce document. Bishlama Boal v'nosan get, it's drich. I understand the case or the necessity of teaching where Bia was done, and then he gave her a get, that uh, we say, Einachar Bia Klum, meaning that after he marries her, and then he gives her a get, which in effect would be divorcing his wife. He doesn't need to do anything else. All that's needed to sever that relationship is a divorce document. And you don't need to have chalitza. In other words, once a Yavam marries the Yavama, it becomes his full-fledged wife, and any Zika connection, any Zika's Yivman uh, was erased, uh, turning into a husband-wife re- bond uh, and relationship. So, all that's necessary is the giving of the get and nothing else. No chalitza is necessary. Without that being taught, I would have thought, Nigzar, let us impose a ruling that the get should not be enough. You, sh- you should need chalitza as well and make it zero of get the boser bilah or to get the kami bilah. In, a, in anticipation of a case where a get were given before the biyah. So that if, a, if Shimon gave the widow a get, 
and then he did Bia with her, that Bia would not create a, a full-fledged husband-wife relationship. And as a result of that, the Yibum identity remains. And in order to undo that, you do need to have Chalitza. So that once again, where you see order of things uh, being reversed, in the case of Boav and Osaget, we say you don't need to have Chalitza, though there was room to think that you should say, yeah, let's require Chalitza there, in anticipation of them reversing the order of, of first doing, uh, giving again and then doing Bia. Let's read that in the words. Sakadai Tachamina Nigzor get the Bosar Ba'ilah. Ought to get the Kami Ba'ilah. Let's impose the need for Chalitza in the case of a get that followed Bilah in anticipation of the case where you really do need Chalitza, where get was, a, get was given first and then Bia was done. Komash Mulam, the Logazrina. So we're telling you by saying, Ein Achar Chalitza Klum, that you, we don't impose that Gezerah. Avol. Why does the Mishnah bother teaching me a case where someone, where the Yavam did Bia, and then he gave her money? That's his wife. He's giving his wife money. What is the point of teaching me that that Maimer has no halachic significance? Since the Mishnah taught the case of first he did Chalitza, and then he gave her money, and that had import that was of value. That needed we taught that in order to convey the point that we say klum, that there's no Kedushin Lavin. So therefore Tonanami Maimer. It also gave a case where just like we had Maimer following please we'll give you an example of Maimer following Bia, which in fact has no Khidush value to it as we said. The Aidi the boy the Mishnah Bhavanosan get and since the Mishnah had to teach the case of Bia and then giving a get where we said you don't need to have Chalitza after that taught, and that, in other words, Bav and Osan get was important it taught me also something that was superfluous Tonanami Cholatz ben Osan get where he released her and then gave her a get which was meaningless so that if you were asking on me originally uh, uh, or asking the question of why did the Mishnah teach Cholatz ben Osan get the answer is for the sake of balance of language, just like we proved from the case of Boav uh, also Maimer. The Gemara continues with a reference to the Mishnah of Daf Nunamidbeis, four lines from the end of the Mishnah. Bizman Shehi, and if we go back to see what it said there, uh, it, the. Uh, the uh, Mishnah had said uh, that there's a distinction between Chalitza versus Bia. That after Chalitza, nothing takes hold wherever the Chalitza appears in the order of different actions. Bia, on the other hand, we will tell you, if Bia is in the first position. But if Bia is, let's say, Bia follows a get, uh, or it follows uh, Chalitza, so then we say yesh achar biaklum masnisen delo ki haytana our mishnah is not in accordance with the following tana so let's continue reading what the following tana says and then see how our mishnah is not like that but actually before we read the text we should glance at the side where we have a no say mivneh heading the mivneh introduces a double underline that will appear shortly they highlight shitois tanoim 
אם יש ליגזור בביאו פסולו, בחליצו פסולו, לא אומר שיש אחרי הכלום. Look into the matter of Bia, Psula, and Chalitza Psula. Bia, Psula is a case where the Bia that's done is not effective in creating a Yibo marriage. Chalitza Psula is a situation where the Chalitza was done with a woman that at that point you couldn't have actually married her. Is there, does that, does that leave room for other things to take effect after them? Our Mishnah said that there's a difference between Chalitza and Bia. That in the case of a Chalitza Psula, in fact, nothing takes hold. When the case of a Bia Psula, things will take hold afterwards. So our Mishnah, and by the way, take note of the fact that this is one long point. Masnisen Delo Ki Haitan. Our Mishnah is not like the following Tana. Desanya. Abu Yoisi ben Yoichanon Yishu Shalayim Oimer Mishum Rebbe Meir. So Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi quoting Rabbi Meir says, Achas bi'ila, the Achas chalitza, and we dashed underline chalitza, b'tchilo ein when they are in the first position, so then any subsequent action done will not have any effect. Be'emso b'sof, yesh achareklum. In the middle, in other words, if something preceded, not only bi'a, but chalitza as well, or if they came at the end, there is room for other actions to take hold. This is in, in stark contrast to our Mishnah that said that Ein Achar Chalitza Klum, even if it's not in the first position. There are three different Tanaic opinions regarding this matter. There's a Rashi uh, across from here. A little bit up. It says, "V'sholosh machlokis bedavar tanakama demasnisin damar chalitza psula ein achrei alklum avobi psula yesh achrei alklum." That's one opinion, and then we'll see. Rabbi Nechemia is another opinion. Damar achazu v'achazu ein achrei alklum. Rabbi Nechemia says that even a bia psula ein achrei nothing will take effect after it. And Rabbi Yosi ben Chonan damar achazu v'achazu yesh achrei alklum behemsa besof. So now we continue in the Gemara. Sholosh Machloik is Bedover. Tanakama Sovar. The Tanakama <coughs> means the Tanakama of our Mishnah that said, Bia Psula Yeshacharel Klum, Bia Deika Lemigzar Gazrinon. In the case of Bia, where there is room for imposing Xeros, as was featured on the Afnun Omidbeis, seven lines from the end of the Gemara. The Gemara spelled that out. We're not going to. Re, uh, to redo all of the Gemara in, uh, regarding this matter, but suffice it to say that we, with regard to Bi'ila, uh, there is room for imposing a Gzeira, restrictions, or uh, additional uh, limitations. And hence, if Bi'a comes out in the middle, uh, then an action can take hold after that. And that's a function of there's room for making a gzera. Chalitza, on the other hand, the leko, le megzar. With regard to chalitza psula, we can say with confidence, ein klum, because there's no other case that we have to, in anticipation of whom we have to worry. This was explained on Dafnun Amidbeis, five lines from the end of the Gemara. And therefore, lo gazrinan. 
and therefore we can the Tanakam of our Mishnah says the, the mainly the Tana of our Mishnah holds Ein Achar Chalitza Klum Bein Bemsa Bein Bechila Bein Bemsa Bein Basof Rabbi Nechemia Sovar Rabbi Nechemia is of the opinion that both Bio and Chalitza Ein Achreim Klum Bio Nami Leko Lemigzar as far as Bio there isn't something to worry about with the Koamris you would you said you raised as a possibility Ligzor Bio Achar Haget Mishum Bio Achar Chalitza that we should uh, say that Bio uh, done after the get is viewed as weak so uh, and, uh, creating the impression in the minds of the public that it's that it's not really uh, it's not a real Bio in anticipation of someone who would dare to do Bio after Chalitza Bio after Chalitza has is, is something that's absolutely forbidden it's strictly forbidden Midoraisa is forbidden so that maybe in, in order to to show the we'll say the meaninglessness uh, and hence the prohibition of it if it were to follow uh, Chalitza let us say that Bio Achar again we should say that uh, something could still take effect which would show how insignificant that Bia is. So Nechemi will tell you there's no need to impose such a Gzeira. Since it's known that Chalitza uh, not only releases the woman but it's something that releases her on a Torah level and creates an Esor with the uh, surviving brothers. May the Yadi people know that and they won't, if once Chalitza is done, people aren't going to come to do Bia after that. So therefore, since that is, doesn't, doesn't need to be, uh, uh, that's not a law that needs to be protected, therefore, uh, we, can, uh, we don't have to tell you uh, that uh, Bia that follows a get, that something else could take hold, simply because of our concern of Bia Achar Chalitza. Bia Achar Chalitza isn't going to really come to be. And you say, you might say that, let's make Xera concerning Bio Achar Maimer, Mishum Bio Achar Bio. That's not something to make Xera about. Kevon de Bio Doraisa, since Bio takes effect on Midoraisa. And by the way, the case of Bio Achar Maimer, that would be a case where first money was given and Bio was done. To say that that bia is is weak uh, in anticipation of a case of bia achar bia, since bia is doraisa, that means it it creates a bond on a Torah level. Uh, the the widow becomes fully married to the yavam that did bia with her. This, any subsequent bia isn't going to take place. It's it's an Easter doraisa. Would be it would be intimacy with a married woman. So ha medayadi idi. It's something that's well known, and therefore. To uh, suggest that that bio achar maimer, when maimer is done first and then it's followed by bio, that we have to uh, tell you that some something could take effect in anticipation of this case of bio achar bio. That's unnecessary. Just to uh, clarify this last example of bio achar maimer, let us go back. I hope you have the ability to either turn back or. Click on Daf Nun Omid Beis, where Rashi s- explains this very clearly. 
Rashi that we'd like to learn together. Six lines from the end of Nun Omid Beis. Bio Achar Maimer he Kagon Maimer Lazu Balazu. If Shimon gave money to widow number one, and then he had intimacy with widow number two, Lochitnan Srichos Shnei Gitin Bechalitza. The Mishnah taught. It's our Mishnah. It's not Rabbi Nechemia. But our Mishnah says you need to have two. Gitin plus chalitza. The Amris beget saki law. If you were to say that uh, get would be enough, Amri people will come to say uh, once again that if you say that uh, a get would be enough and that you don't need chalitza, people will think Amri bio shelzu achar kinyan shelzu mal yusahi. They'll think that the bia done with the second woman after the after a Kenyan done with the first woman is effective people then come to think that you could do that if that, that Shimon after done having done Bia with the first widow could do Bia with the second widow and that would be a, a severe violation of of, of having of cohabiting with one's uh, brother's wife. Rebbe Nehemia is not worried about that. And the third, final opinion, the Abu Yosi ben Chonon Sovar law, Kirabonon de Gazri Babio. Abu Yosi holds like the Rabbonon of our Mishnah that do impose a Gzera concerning Biop Sula, saying Yeshacharel Klum, the Gazar Chalitzo Mishum Bio, and he then says that we're going to make a zero regarding Chalitz Psula as well in anticipation of the case of Bia Psula. As you can see, with that we come to the conclusion of the fifth parak of Yavamas and now begin the Mishnah of the, the uh, sixth parak. Uh, before we begin, let us read the Nosevi topic heading Bias Yibum Lo Tzorich Kavona Kedei Liknos the intimacy done between the surviving brother and the deceased's widow doesn't need to have specific intent in order for it to take hold now let us read the Mishnah Habo al Yivinto a surviving brother has intimacy with the widow of his deceased brother who left no children whether it be through any of these different mindsets Bishogeg uh, is something that's unintentional namely he thought that the woman was his wife in other words uh, Shimon survived his deceased brother Ruvain Shimon had his own wife he thought that he was cohabiting with her, uh, and it turned out to be the widow of Ruvain. Bemezid, uh, Rashi says, L'shem znus. A znus is harlotry. Uh, we'll refer to it maybe by the term immorality. So that he had no mitzvah intention. He knew who she was, but he intended to cohabit with her just for the, uh, for the fun of it for the sake of having a fling the case of Oynes that will be discussed in the Gemara and 
Baratzon is he knows what he's doing. Those all of those cases, Afilu Shogeg Vihi Mizida, even a case where he is Shogeg. So he doesn't have Yibum intention, he thinks it's his wife. She has immoral uh, uh, thoughts on mine. Who mazed the shogegas? Or the other way around. He is doing it Lashem's nus. And she thinks that it's someone that's mutter for her to be with. Who onus the lo anusa? He is onus, which we haven't ex- explained yet, and she is not. Or the other way around. He anusa the hu lo onus. All of these cases, we say the Yibum marriage is achieved. Echon ha-ma'ara ve'echon ha-goymer kona. Whether it be ma'ara. Now ma'ara is a situation of uh, male organ contact with the woman. How, to what degree, we can't commit ourselves right now because there are different opinions of what hara is. What, whether it be, we'll, we'll call it partial uh, connection or gomer, let's say more complete form of let's say organ insertion kona the uh, bond is formed there's a Rashi adds there is which is where the uh, couple, the man and woman uh, cohabit in the normal uh, fashion through, we'll say, the orifice of reproduction. And the Shalokadarka is where the man has uh, cohabits with her, but not through the normal way, but through the, we'll say, the other orifice. V'chein habo al achas mikol ho'arayas shebeturah opsulos. The standards that we've just laid down for the consummation of a Yibum marriage, the same standards, we will say, apply to prohibited uh, relations. That when a, uh, let's say, brother and sister, for example, would, let's say, cohabit in this partial fashion or this unusual fashion, that would be (coughs) considered a full-fledged violation of the Torah law. And they they would be Chayev Kores. And if it's a case of... uh, father and daughter, or mother and son, that would lead to court execution. Psulos, those are women that are unfit to the kahuna. Kagon, almona l'koin gadol, hedyo. Those are two examples that are kohen related. A widow cannot marry, cannot cohabit with a kohen gadol. And likewise a grusha, a divorcee or a chalutza, with a standard kohen. Mamzeres unasina l'Yisrael, by a mamzeres, an illegitimate uh, a woman, uh, or a descendant from the Nesinim, a people that, uh, let's say, falsely joined the Jewish ranks, and a Jewish man, or the other way around, a female, uh, regular kosher Jewess, with a male mamzer or nasin. Pasla. Uh, that will render her unfit. And no distinction is made between the different types of bia that we described. Now this uh, idea uh, is explained a little further in Rashi. Mamzeres u 
Lav absulu kunakoi. The case of Mamzeris Nasi featured in Mishnah are not illustrations of, of women that are puzzled to the kahuna. They're already puzzled. It's not a, it's not a, a, a function of their having had a forbidden relationship and thereby becoming puzzled. They're already puzzled. And there's no ramifications here with regard to truma from their father's household that they would become unfit for. Fiod bias kosher my megarola elinian hara nokta. This was the issue of of mamzer with uh, uh, with a bas yisrael or a mamzeris with a uh, with yisrael is featured in mishnah because of the issue of this partial contact. With a milky ole ha yisrael behara kigmar bia. The point of the mishnah in, in in featuring these cases was to show that even for partial insertion or partial contact uh, lashes will be given because of the violation of the negative command involved as if it were a full-fledged uh, act of intimacy. The Gemara opens with a question regarding a term seen in the Mishnah. On the second line of the Mishnah it said, Afilu, even if Afilu hu shogeg mazida. My Afilu, what is the Mishnah accomplishing by saying even uh, where uh, he is uh, unwitting and she has uh, harlotrous uh, intentions? More explains. Lo mibaya kalmar. The uh, structure of the Mishnah is in the lo mibaya uh, sense. Lo mibaya means I, I don't have to tell you this, but even something else. Lo mibaya, the answer lasts a number of lines, as you can see, we've marked it accordingly. Lo mibaya hu shogeg vihi komechavno la mitzvah. I don't have to tell you about that, that the bond would take hold where he was unwitting, but she had yibum mitzvah intention. That if that was their, we'll say, level of cohabitation, that the bond takes place, that there's a fulfillment of the yibum requirement. Hinami, who mays it, he mitzvah, or he has harlotrous intentions, but she has mitzvah intentions. Elo afilu who shogeg vehimazida, and here's where the afilu comes into play. Even where on both sides there is no mitzvah intention, where he thinks it's some other woman, and and she has harlotrous intentions. Another case of who mezid vehi shogeges the travayu lo komechavni l'shemis for neither one the man nor the woman have mitzvah intentions afilu hachikona. Even so, the Yibum bond has been fulfilled. It takes hold, and they become husband and wife. Uh, we should uh, emphasize the difference between a uh, Yibum bond and a simple case of man-woman that meet one another out in the street that are not related to one another. When you're dealing with the Yibum bond, there's already, in halachic terms, or in halachic thinking, there's already a partial uh, connection, a partial bonding that has already taken place. By the mere fact that one has a brother, the brother's wife, in the event that there are no children, the Torah already imposes a bond, so that to concretize it, to, to complete it, even this low-level type relation, physical intimacy, would clinch it. 
this is in contrast to two strangers, man meets woman, where there's no previous connection that exists. The this kind of low-level, uh, unintentional uh, act of intimacy would not create a marital status. We continue in the Gemara. Tony Rabbi Chia. Even if both are in this we'll call low level mindset uh, position, they bond. On the side of the Gemara, we have a no say mivne heading, a topic heading with a structural note. You'll notice triangles uh, appear. These are Arbishlovim Levarer Mahu Oynes. What does that mean, oynes? Oynes is uh, generally thought to be something that is beyond your control. So what does it mean to have intimacy in, a, in an oynes fashion? The Gemara. Oynes de masnisen hechidomi. Oynes cited in the Mishnah. What is meant by it? That idol worshippers overpowered some man, a brother who survived his deceased brother who left no kids and they overpowered him and and uh, pushed him upon her, on the widow that is not a case of onus though it's true they overpowered him however for the actual male insertion the Omar Rava ain't onus le'erva the concept of onus doesn't apply when you're dealing with forbidden relations. Because the man, in order to uh, effectively have insertion, he has to experience kishu. Kishu means uh, hardening or erection. And that does not happen unless there is intent. Intent is not onus. So that even if he's physically being uh, restrained or overpowered by the uh, by the idol worshippers, there was the actual act uh, for it to take place needs the man's uh, awareness and intent to be present. So that's not onus. That's not something we call uh, beyond your control. Ella biyoshin. Rashi says shemiskashik shiyoshin. It happens that. People experience kishui ever when they are asleep. So maybe that's what happened, that he was asleep and achieved the kishui that's necessary for the physical insertion and, and it happened with him and her while he was asleep. Well, that's not a good shot either, but Omar Rav Yehuda, we continue at the top of the Nun Dalet Omen Aleph, Yashen Loi Kona In the state of sleep, that actually does not create a yibum bond or it doesn't complete the marriage Rashi at the top says Yoshin Lokona the Yoshin Lav Bardas he's not capable of, of awareness when he's sleeping and therefore his uh, um, action his uh, uh, acquisition or his action is not considered effective Ella third approach Rashi says on the top 
he intended to be with his wife in, in intimacy. And he achieved Kishui with wife intention, with his own wife. We're talking about Shimon, who's the surviving brother, has his own wife. So he intended to be with her. Sounds uh, almost uh, unrealistic, but the Gemara deals with all topics. Even those which appear to be unrealistic, they have halachic ramifications when you wouldn't even think of applying it. So we have to take this seriously, where he achieved Tishui uh, with the intention of being with his wife, fell off a roof and landed in an intimate position with the Yavama. So is that what Oynes means? If a man falls off a roof and ends up in an intimate uh, position with some woman, so <coughs> he would be guilty of compensating her for the four, for the four different types of we'll call it damage payments. And they are by name, and they're featured in the Masechus Babakama, Nezek, Tsa, Ripui, and Sheves. Uh, physical damage, pain, any medical expenses, and the unemployment. Those are just the literal translations of the four different forms of compensation that need to be made. Masechus Babakama deals with them at much greater length. So if one is in, uh, was so by way of tort law he must offer compensation however we dashed underline the main point but that would not acquire in the case of a yibum marriage so that if it happened to be his Yavoma walking on street level and his falling upon her in a state of kishoy and creating a, 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 a physical act of cohabitation, it wouldn't, though, acquire. And we're taught in our mission that a, a bond of ones under ones circumstances, does acquire. So what do we mean by ones? It's not this case. Ela, kagain, shiniskavein liishtai, betakfasa yevimtai, ubo oleha. It's a case where a man, uh, in this case the Yavim, had his own wife and he intended to be uh, uh, to cohabit with his own wife and his uh, his sister-in-law the widow of his deceased brother who left no children she was some type of we'll say tough individual and she overpowered him and brought him while he was already in a state of kishui brought him upon her so he was oines we continue in the Gemara this is now a quote from the source we saw and then uh, taught by Rabbi Chia. Shnehem anusim debei Rabbi Chia hechidomi. How can you uh, illustrate a case of both of them being oines that Rabbi Chia had taught in his source? There's a little star at the side indicating nun gimolamid base. You can find where that quote comes from. Kegoin shiniskavin lishto. Imagine a man, the Yavam, who had intention to be with his wife, and he uh, achieved Kishui in, uh, in anticipation of being with his wife, and at that point, idol worshippers grabbed hold of him, and they took, uh, overpowered him, and they had control of the widow, Ruvain's widow, the uh, widow of his deceased brother, and they pushed them, inserted him into her, 
again against their will uh, overpowering them hence they can both be described as oinus